What's going on, everybody? Hope you like the new format and the new digs. I'm joined by Sully. Yo, what's popping? Hey, Sully, I don't know if you heard this, but Adam Gase came out and said that he feels like he's done a poor job developing Sam Darnold. Now, in other breaking news, Miss Lippy's car is green. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I had no idea you were going to do that. This was not planned at all, folks. That was hilarious. That was fantastic. Adam Gase is the biggest joke of the NFL right now. How he still has a job is unbelievable. Uh, let's kick it into the video. We've got a big show, a lot to get to, so let's fire it up. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. our intro you may notice a little bit of a different screen setup obviously we skip down you see a scrolling list of topics so you can see the upcoming topic what we're talking about now and what we just talked about before we get into uh all of that obviously we got a comment right off the bat jesse love you boys who uh jesse did a solo show pretty much by himself <laughs> the other day uh which we certainly appreciate because my power went out yeah, you know, I've been, you know, having some personal things go on in my life like we all do. So Jesse's been nice enough to fill in for me here a couple of times and uh, I appreciate it. And Jesse held the fort down, man. He did. He did a great job. Um, if you're looking at where to find us, you're watching us right now on YouTube uh, live, Facebook live or Twitter. Uh, otherwise, you can find the audio formats in a few hours after the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music as well as the show will be tomorrow on YouTube. You can find a replay of it. I do encourage you because, like I said, we do a lot of videos and overlays. The overlays kind of getting a little bit oh, – kind of getting uh, a little bit, uh, I don't know, weeded out as we do more video-type stuff. Social media, obviously, it's the next thing on the board where you can find us is Infinity Sports Podcast uh, on Facebook Instagram and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter, as well as the website www.infinitysportspodcast.com. Visit the store. We have great stuff there Infinity Sportswear, as well as Failure is a Choice, a nice little motivational thing. They have them on the tank tops. So you want to work out with the gym with those. Tom Brady wore it when he signed with the Buccaneers. <laughs> Um, other than that, I mean, uh, the show is brought to you by Invader Coffee. They're a big sponsor for Belly Up Sports. We are on the Belly Up Sports Network. Invader Coffee, I do encourage you guys to check them out. They're 100% organic, 100% air roasted, 100% money back. You get 100, yeah, 100% money back. It's uh, veteran owned, so definitely support the troops, support the show. Enter the code Belly Up, 15% off your entire order. I'm going to have to get my second order, man. I uh, unfortunately left the coffee up at the uh, other spot, so I'm going to have to get me some more coffee, man. Well, obviously, you can see the scrolling. The next big thing we have, we're, our talking, we're not doing the news section necessarily. It's all news. And the big story uh, that we're going to start things off with is Nate Robinson getting KO'd because this became a meme <laughs> that lit up all sorts of social media that him just laying there unconscious uh, by Jake Paul. And here's the thing that I don't understand Jake Paul basically now says he wants to fight Conor McGregor. In a boxing match. Now, Conor McGregor has boxing experience, not just against Floyd Mayweather, but like he's a boxer. And I think that Jake Paul should learn a lesson from his own fight, which is don't go in over your head. Nate Robinson was over his head because Jake Paul has a boxing background. Jake Paul, you would get destroyed by Conor McGregor. I mean, absolutely massacred. It wouldn't even be. I mean, it would. It would look exactly like the Nate Robinson fight. Um, I'm so glad you have this. He, well, the way he falls, is just hilarious to me. Uh, he, he has a nice little combo, the uppercut, right, the right uppercut, right hook combo. I mean, I love it. It's a great combo. Um, and he just lays him out with it. Obviously, I think Conor McGregor would dog him. I mean, it wouldn't even be a fight. I, I truthfully don't think they could ever make it happen. Jake Paul obviously is just going for a payday at this point. I mean, he calls out Conor McGregor. 
Conor McGregor signs on to do this fight, I mean, Conor McGregor ends up making what 50 mil and Jake Paul ends up making 20 mil. You know what I mean? So it'll be Jake Paul's like biggest payday for sure. Yeah. I don't even know if it'd be that big of a, I mean, I would think if I'm, I would do the whole Mayweather thing. If I was uh, Conor McGregor, I was like, listen, I'll fight you, but I'm taking 90% of the purse. Yeah, which I I mean he probably will too. Honestly, and it would still be uh, Jake Paul's biggest you know payday kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's only it can only go good for Jake Paul, and it can only go bad for Conor McGregor. Um, is kind of my take, but I still would like to see it happen just because I hate Jake Paul and I'd love to see him knocked out. Now this was the uh, undercard I think for the uh, the Tyson McGregor fight. Well, I mean, Tyson. Tyson, Tyson uh, Roy Jones, Jones Jr. Jr. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that fight was a joke. I mean, we all knew it was going to be a joke. Thankfully, they took like some like they were going to make him wear headgear, and they were like no kind of like there was a rule that was like no knockouts kind of, but they took all that away thankfully and let him fight. But even still, I mean, Roy Jones was just holding the whole fight. I guess uh, there's some talk there. Uh, Holyfield wasn't uh, super excited about you know, being left out. Yeah, uh, Holyfield actually ended up calling. Yeah, here it is. Uh, ended up calling out Mike Tyson, and I mean, it sounds like I don't know. Like this is a little disrespectful, in my opinion. He's like, you know, you, you know, you're saying you all you have is excuses and get ready, and he wants a tune-up fight, thinking about me and blah blah blah. I mean, he's talking mad shit. I feel like um, I, I'd love to see a Tyson Holyfield rematch. I mean, it'd be a joke, but. I think those two genuinely kind of dislike each other, so I think it would be like an actual fight. Like people, they wouldn't just that, go in there for show kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird that they dislike each other because I know that they were both top of the game, like in their primes. But I don't understand the whole dislike for each other. I mean, neither one of them, I don't think, has a dislikable personality. I guess. Well, I mean, one bit the other one's ear off, so oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like you personally, but. Yeah. <laughs> now, Sarah Fuller, which, I mean, I was thrilled that she got a chance to kick. And honestly, everybody was dogging her for the for the kick. I mean, according to coaches and everything, this is exactly what they wanted her to do was squib the kick, keep it in bounds. Um, and I mean, that's what she did. She, she essentially did a perfect kickoff to what they plan wanted her to do. They didn't want to put her in a position to make a tackle, which makes sense. I mean... So I, I, it was great. You know what I don't love is her getting special teams player of the week. See, I do like her getting special teams player of the week. And my reasoning is this. It's a meaningless award. It doesn't mean anything at all. So it's like, who are you really going to give it to? Like, hey, that, that gunner from Tennessee made two tackles. He really deserved it. You know why? So that 40 years from now, he can be sitting at a bar telling his buddies, I was week three SEC special teams player of the week. Like, it doesn't matter. So, like, why not give it to somebody who just made a huge, like, step for, like, uh, my only issue is if she'd have made a kick, I'd I'd have been one hundred percent okay with it. The issue is I don't think she did enough to like uh, like actually warrant the award. Like all she really did was step onto the field, and I get that's groundbreaking. I get that's huge. I get that's exciting. But I, I mean, other than that kickoff, she had no real impact on the game, and I felt like just any kind of impact and, and it would have made the award warranted. You know, you gave the expression or the example on, <clears throat> on a, on a, another chat on Facebook, or I, I can't remember what platform, honestly, um, <clears throat> where you likened it to like uh, a kid with cerebral palsy or something scoring a touchdown in a game gets or player getting, of the week. gets player of the week, but he scored a touchdown. And and he he and I get it like it may have been a sham touchdown it may whatever <clears throat> but he did impact the game um, regardless if the game was fifty two to nothing and then he scored a touchdown that's more than 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 a young lady coming on and just kicking the ball off like even if she just kicks an extra point I think it was meaning because then at that point it's like holy shit she can actually do this we still don't know if it can actually be done I think is is my thing well so we uh. Jesse's chiming in here. It says Tyson's favorite cereal. I'm guessing uh, Oreos. <laughs> that is not funny. And then uh, Jesse says it's not like her team allowed her the opportunity to kick a point after or a field goal. They got skunked. And I agree with that. And my take is this. So I'm okay with it for now because, again, it was groundbreaking. She's the first player. Now, if she goes out this week and kicks two field goals and they give it to her again, that's when I'll be like, all right, too much now. Gave it to her the first time. 
What if she kicks two field goals, but one of them's like a game winner? All right. Well, then there's some reasoning behind it. But, you know okay. I mean? I'm okay. saying like, okay. if you're going to give it to yeah. her as charity just because she kicked. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I get. I understand the point, Jesse. But again, then just don't give her the award and give it to her next week if she makes an extra point. Or now, again, I doubt she's rostered next week because I'm sure they'll have their kickers back from COVID situations and everything like that. But nonetheless, I mean, it's a very proud moment. You know, we talked briefly about. Women in sports will never be taken seriously until they play on an, on a level platform. And we spoke about how a kicker would probably be the first one to break the barrier and things like that. We ended up being right. Hey, yo. Um, and I think, honestly, it's truly going to happen sooner than we think. I think within the decade, we'll have a female kicker in the NFL. Yeah. And Jesse also says, uh, Sully said himself, she did exactly what the coach wanted uh, in her only opportunity. Yeah. Well, again, and I understand it was just a swim kick. But, again, like I said, they gave it to her. I'm cool with it for now, unless they give her another charity one. This yeah, and and, I, and I'm okay with it. You know, it, it was a huge moment, so good for her. I'm I'm super proud of what she did. Now, the speaking of COVID, you mentioned that the Broncos end up having to use their wide receiver from the practice squad. Um, I mean, Kendall Hinton. He was, I guess, the backup quarterback at Wake Forest or something like that. So they put him in a quarterback. They actually asked the NFL if they're. Um, assistant offensive coordinator or something like that could be the quarterback for the game uh, <laughs> because he knows the playbook. And the NFL said no, and I understand why. They said they don't want teams stashing players as coaching staff members, you know, just to have extra players. But at the same time, I feel like you could have said, well, you know what, this is a one-time COVID exception. We're not going to be making this exception for other teams down the road. Or how about this? Since you have postponed the goddamn Steelers game four times, maybe allow the Broncos to postpone their game until one of their quarterbacks is ready. Well, the the back end of that, I think, is the way the Broncos got infected and the way the Ravens got infected. Um, the Broncos, supposedly, all three of their quarterbacks attended a, a meeting together. None wore a mask, um, and which is mandated, and things like that. Um, so I think the NFL was kind of punishing the Broncos. Um, but I agree. I think it's ridiculous that they forced them to play with that quarterback and not delay the game. Um, like they did the Ravens game and things like that. Now, obviously, it didn't help. You know, the Ravens still had numerous players missing. But I, truthfully, I, like I said, I think they were trying to punish the Broncos and set an example that said, hey, look, if you get COVID off your own dumbass accord, we're not going to help you kind of thing. Yeah, but who's to say that the Ravens and the, and the Steelers didn't get it off their own accord? Yeah? Well, they track it and they figure out like who and where it came and, and things like that. And so and and they have the NFL investigators figuring out if it was transmitted during games, it, like you know, like who had close contact, things like that. Like they did in the NBA, you know, they wore those ping bracelets and things like that. I know the NFL isn't doing that, but in the same sense, they track it the same way and figure out where it's coming from. And you know, it came out you know, that the Broncos, all three players that got infected attended a close team meeting in a, in a closed room with no masks on. So okay. now Mike Tomlin, after this game, called it a JV effort, which honestly, I think that's kind of how the Steelers have been playing the entire year. So it's hard for me to disagree with him, but I mean, What's your take? It, like, the Steelers are probably the most, like, I don't know, the worst eleven and O team we've ever had, right? Uh, I don't like to say the worst eleven and O team because <laughs> I do think that I mean eleven and O is still good no matter who you're playing. I know people are like, well, they played the Browns who were overachievers, and they played this team who didn't have a quarterback, and they played this team on short notice, and people are coming up with excuses for their eleven and O. But it's the NFL. If you're eleven and O in the NFL, it's it's impressive. I don't know. I think they could still finish 16 and 0. I mean, it just they always find a way to win and as ugly as it is, 16 ugly wins is better than 15 blowouts. I mean, and to be fair and completely, you know, I will never not give this kid his respect. TJ Watts, arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL right now, not named Aaron Donald. Uh, the guy is insane. He's first in sacks, first in pressures, first in pressure rate, first in win rate. I, I mean, the kid's just absolutely dominating this year. Now, we'll see. They just lost Bud Dupree. But, uh, I mean, TJ Watts, um, an absolute animal. Minka Fitzpatrick, all he does is find the ball. That defense is still great. I, I just feel like they play down to their kind and do just enough to win. You know what I mean? Like you said, they always find a way to win. Well, an 11-0 team shouldn't be finding ways to win, I feel like. Um, but 
I mean, you can't argue. Like you said, a W is a W. I don't care how you get it. Uh, I mean, it still goes into the window column, and the other team still gets a loss. Yeah, and so I, I think that they are like the, uh, the worst 11-0 team. I think it's tough to say because I'd have to go back and look at all the 11-0 teams yeah. in history. But, you know, like I said, they're finding a way to win. If next week they win 13-10, that's another win. Now they're 12-0. It's, like, it's true. I will say this. My wild-ass prediction that Jesse actually gave me a lot of credit for, and I appreciate it. Looks like the Browns are going to finish with a better record than the Ravens, like I said they would. I know. It looks like that way. I'm proud yeah. of that one. That one I'm proud of. I was so right about the Ravens, man. They fucking suck. <laughs> having a great year, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the, the other NFL news, this one really actually kind of pissed me off. I don't really have a, a video graphic for it, but apparently Michigan politicians <laughs> had written a letter or gone to the Lions, and they said, we want Robert Saleh to be the head coach of the Lions next season. I think he's the defensive coordinator right now for the 49ers. And I think he should be a head coach in the NFL as well. And I understand that he's from Dearborn, Michigan. It makes sense to have him there. Listen, there's still no clean drinking water in Flint. The unemployment rate and the murder rates are through the roof in Detroit, Michigan, or in Michigan in general. right? And these people that you elected to take care of your state think the most important thing to do right now is to write a letter to the Lions about who the head coach should be. They should all just lose their jobs. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they really should. It's it. I mean, to be fair, before before they even wrote this letter, they should have lost their jobs because the fact that there's still no clean drinking water in Flint after almost a decade is insane. Uh, you know that that town, that city, that uh, state is. I mean, just in shambles, and like it's it's wild how it's just kind of left alone almost it's just wild detroit's almost a third world nation it's just wild to me uh and yeah i agree politics in general need to stay out of sports 100 i i just that's just the way i agree it's entertainment it's 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 an entertainment business i don't i don't want politics in it i get make your stand do that on your time not on the entertainment's time I, i'm all for that use your platform do what you got to do but on the other side politicians need to stay out of sports completely out of sports and i've been saying this for years because here's my thing is that we talk about tax dollars right and not to get too political but we talk about like the waste of tax dollars in this country it's like i don't want my tax dollars going towards you know unemployment or whatever well, whatever i don't want my tax dollars going to the government asking rafael palmero if he used steroids exactly that's the last thing i want and it, it, it's just it's such a waste and it's it's i mean it's asinine it's retarded now, as the resident weed smoker here, <laughs> my boy Josh Gordon is finally back. What do we think? Do we expect much? I, 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 I'm going to tell you what. I truthfully don't. Um, I don't even know if he's actually going to get legit playing time in these last two games. But, I mean, in the playoffs, I mean, if he has one, two, three big catches, I, I mean, he's totally worth it at that point. I think he gets uh, a few looks. Again, it's going to be like he was in New England where towards the end when he was getting two catches or maybe three targets a game, which is fine. I mean, if, if Josh Gordon's a guy getting three targets, that's a pretty good receiving core. And to have him out there with DK Metcalf, it's just additional riches for the, the Seattle Seahawks in terms of the passing game. I think what this really – the reason I have it on here is because Josh Gordon's career has been ruined by the NFL. Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't care what he does for the rest of his career. He murders somebody. I don't think he should be suspended ever again. They've completely ruined this. <laughs> um, I agree. Uh, it's just unfortunate. It, I mean, they ruined his career, but I mean, he also did himself. I mean, you know, marijuana has been banned for a long time in the NFL and, and plenty of people have found ways around it and, and done things like that. Um, you know, as a person who uses, you know, marijuana to deal with his anxiety, you know, I, I completely understand his plight and, and his issue. Um, but, and, you know, it's, it's more of a case of timing. You know, obviously if he comes in the league this year, you know, he can, he can spend his whole career smoking weed because they don't, they don't test anymore. Um, you know, the NBA as well, which has thankfully come around and they're not testing also, um, you know, so it's tough for me to blame the NFL because I mean, when you know the rules and you still make the choices, I mean, at that point, you got to take some responsibility for yourself. Well, I'm saying that before he joined the Patriots, he was on a plane and he had a glass of champagne and he self-reported. He said to the NFL, I said, hey, guys, I know I'm not supposed to have any alcohol because I'm in phase four of the program or whatever it is. But I was on a private jet. They had champagne to hand it out. I had a glass of champagne. I didn't get drunk or anything, but 
that's what I had. That cost them a year. Yes, and but did that cost him a year, or did the because he's in phase four, or did the three other times that he failed drug tests cost him the year? Right. And, which is and all I, marijuana. Which is all marijuana. Which which I get, and and yes, the the last year was probably, I mean that right there. I mean yes, we can all agree that's over the top. The NFL cost him a year but again you know he made those choices to not to smoke instead of finding alternative routes to dealing with whatever struggles he was dealing with that he needed the marijuana for um you know even as a guy who smokes it's it's tough to sympathize you know with that when you know you have the ability to make a choice and have this career and you chose weed instead well, a question that came up, obviously, huge game for Tyreek Hill uh, this past week. I think it was the number one fantasy output in the history of fantasy sports is that, you know, Tyreek Hill had 269 yards or something like that receiving. And my question for you is because this came up after the game, which was how good would Patrick Mahomes be if he didn't have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Sammy Watkins and and. I said, listen, he has all the weapons in the world. I'm not going to pretend he doesn't. But at the same time, you know what Patrick Mahomes would be without all those weapons? The best quarterback in the NFL. Exactly. And, th- and that's the only answer. Yet he, he, yes, he has weapons, but he also elevates all those players you know, to their insane ability and, and things like that. Do we really think Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey would be number two and number three in the NFL in receiving yards if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes? No. I, I don't think so. There's no way. So, you know, I, I, it's it's obviously always give and take. I hate this argument. You know, it's like, oh, Peyton Manning always had elite receivers and Tom Brady never did and, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, yeah, but a, a great quarterback makes his receivers elite. And, and, you know, Tom Brady did that, you know, year in and year out with guys like Troy Edwards and Deion Branch and who, who you saw went on to other places and didn't play as well. But nonetheless, I think it's more of a symbiotic relationship. So I think quarterbacks will be great other places. Wide receivers, I think, struggle to be greater in other places. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a god. I, I mean, honestly, if he wins the MVP in the Super Bowl this year, he's in my top five quarterbacks of all time. He's phenomenal. And just watching him being able to throw on the run across his body, different arm angles, throw underhand, throw it left-handed. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, what can he do? He can scramble. He has pocket awareness. He's he knows how to move his body and and get his his hips and shoulders in position to make those crazy throws. He's just, I mean, it's scary to watch him play because he's so good and he does it in a way that we've never seen before. It's it's fun to watch. All right, now Jim Schwartz came out and popped off out the mouth, which I don't understand why these opposite teams constantly give players bulletin board material and he came out and said i was in detroit uh when megatron was there and dk metcalf is no megatron which i agree with he's not but why would you like even say that like i i mean i don't understand why you would say that i mean i think the difference between matthew stafford and russell wilson is a mammoth difference so you know we just talked about quarterbacks and receivers and their relationships and weapons and things like that I think a wide receiver is heavily dependent on his quarterback to be great. And I'm going to give the edge to Russell Wilson in this DK Metcalf debate. I agree. And my take on it was this. I, like you said, I agree with the Schwartz that he is not Megatron. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, Megatron to me, I think we've discussed about it. He's my number one wide receiver of all time in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And obviously Jerry Rice has all the records, but just Megatron. We saw the catch that I had up on the screen. I mean, he just, he caught everything. And so when you're comparing the two, yes, they both run four threes. Yes, they're both uber athletic, but Megatron had two inches on him. And the big thing, Megatron didn't drop anything. Like his hands were glue. And DK's got a little bit of the dropsies, you know. Plus, Megatron was a really good route runner. And DK exactly. not DK Calvin Johnson, everybody just thinks he was some freak who just used to run down the field. His route tree was exceptional. He could beat you in a in a number of different ways. Also, you can't like, yes, I understand DK Metcalf's like the stat running around his first 27 games and DK Metcalf is actually outpacing Calvin Johnson, 
We also have to remember, this is a different league, man. Guys throw for 4,500 yards like it's a Tuesday morning here. Like, it's nothing to throw for crazy yardage anymore and crazy touchdowns. You just can't get on these wide receivers like you could even back in Calvin Johnson's day. So, you know, you have to allow for a little inflation is the word I like to use. Um, uh, but, it, it, I mean, he's still an insanely talented guy. I'm not taking away anything from DK Metcalf. Um, but he is no Megatron. Honestly, he's not even in the same swimming pool as Megatron. And I'll say this, too. I am disappointed as a Patriots fan that we passed on this guy twice. And we took four. Nikhil, yeah, Nikhil Harry. Where's who, his? 1300 yards wait yeah. what which uh, i conceded the loss you uh, did. and i said i'll get you, get you that tom brady you jersey and he said you know let's make it a, a Devin I, White. let's see what's gonna happen i the chris godwin's in the last year of his contract but 14 is my favorite number so i'd love to get a 14 and then but Devin white's i think my favorite player on the team so i don't know i may just go with the white Devin white jersey man but anyway, so I, I conceded, uh, you know, uh, Nikhil Harry has not stepped up. I also think that he would have done a lot better with Jarrett Sinem at quarterback than he would with Is he even going to get to half the yard? I don't even think he's going to get to a quarter of the yardage total that you said he was going to get to. He gets like two catches a game now. I know. I it's so bad. It's and so that, bad. I don't I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, heading into a, an area, again, where you're a little bit more of an expertise, we do have the uh, Sully's top prospects. Which, why don't you kick things off here? I know you sent me a list, five guys. We do this, you know, occasionally, I think every week we try to get five new players that we haven't talked about yet. And I'm sure we'll circle back around and start taking up other guys that we have talked about. But uh, talk about Wyatt Davis. What's the, the deal with him? Now, Wyatt Davis, honestly, I, I thought he was going to come out last year. I truly did. Um, now, he, he's only got, last year was his first year starting. But, I mean, hit, that year was that good that he could have came out last year and 100% would have been a first round um, pick. I believe he's just, it's so technically sound and, and I mean, the, the word I like to, I like to look for when I'm talking about uh, offensive linemen. And I, and I said this last year is balance. How often are you on the ground? You know what I mean? I don't want to ever see my offensive lineman on the ground and he's never on the ground. The kid is a, a, teaching tape kind of player. Uh, I, I I really love his game. He's not a flashy guy. He's just really technically sound. The only issue he, he's got, you know, 12 games under his belt total as a starter, I think, um, you know, in Ohio state's not playing a ton of games this year, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy's a monster. I think he's going to be a really, really, really quality starter in the NFL. Well, Brandon Combs from TSS triple shot sports joins us says, what's up boys. Uh, we appreciate Brandon giving us a, a watch. I do want to say this, you know, congratulations to Brandon, him and Michael Buckheiser, our old uh, boss, I'll say, uh, got a radio show Saturday, Saturdays. So they're going to be doing that. And he told me about some other cool stuff that might be coming down the road. So very excited for Brandon and, and the direction that he's headed. Yeah, most definitely. They're, they're doing very well over there and congratulations to them. And they, they, obviously they were great folks. We loved them to death. So I, I'd love to hear their success. Now, I do want to say this about Wyatt Davis uh, to circle back around to that. Is that. When I was reading some scouting reports on him before the show, because I wanted to see how your scouting report compared to others, my favorite was somebody called him the Destroyer of Worlds. Uh, they said, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the greatest nickname ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really is. like, uh, I mean, if he gets his hands on you, you're done. You're not – you're going to lose this – you're going to lose the rep. Plain and simple, he's he's physical, he's aggressive, and he's smart. He's really smart. Now, Sean Wade, uh, again, another Ohio State Buckeye, uh, coming off of, we'll call this cornerback university because they seem to just every year produce one or two first-round uh, defensive backs. But what separates Sean Wade, I guess, from other defensive backs? Um, I mean, honestly, he can do a lot. And, and I think that may – what it what it sets him apart you know he's a big guy like like you see 6'1 195 this is the tape from last year he played mostly out of the slot last year and was insanely productive um this year you know he's an outside corner and he's built like an outside corner you know it's 6'1 200 he's long um you know and he's got to prove it outside this year uh because like i said 90 most of his snaps almost uh, almost all of them came out of the slot last year um, but I mean, he's proved it so far this year. He's taken one to the house. He's got a, he's got some pass breakups and an interception that he just took to the house last year. 
he could really rise. He he has he has an opportunity to really rise in the rankings uh, because you know you just don't know what you're going to get um, at the beginning of the season at least with him on the outside. It, it, so far, he's played pretty well out there. So if he can continue his play on the outside um, and and look like a shutdown corner, then I think he's going to you know really 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 have an opportunity to go high. He he could go ahead of Caleb Fairley because we're actually seeing tape on Sean Wade and we're not seeing tape on Caleb Fairley this year. Now, Brandon does chime in. He says, Nolan Buchenberg from Air Force is probably the best offensive lineman coming to the draft. We haven't talked about him at all, huh? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> Penny Sewell is the best offensive lineman coming into this draft ever in the history of college football. Um, I honestly don't know who that I'm assuming you have some personal connection to this guy. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, my, here's my thing on Sean Wade. Is when, again, when I looked up the scouting reports on him. A lot of people compared him to Minko Fitzpatrick and the fact that he can play all over the field and he's a very good tackler and he's got that kind of build. But they said Minka had much better ball skills. So when the ball's in the air, Wade's usually not as good at locating it and getting his hands on it and catching it. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, to be honest, that's most corners. Uh, you know, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, as we've seen in the NFL too, he just has a knack for finding the football, plain and simple. I don't know how he does it. He's just one of those guys that – you know, if, if the ball's in a spot, it's tipped at somewhere like that, he finds it. Like I said, Sean Wade, like I said, made a great play in the Indiana game and, you know, broke on a ball and took it to the house and, and looked, like I said, looked very good. Um, but like I mentioned at the beginning, his, his versatility is going to be his key. He can be a shutdown slot corner. You know, he can play that in the box kind of guy if you need him to, you know, every every now and then. And, and with the way these tight ends and running backs are catching the ball, you need a guy like that. So. Now, Christian Barmore, we're talking about large gentlemen. This is on the other side of the ball. Uh, very big guy. Yes, very, very big guy. Um, massively huge human being. Um, honestly, a little underwhelming. Um, I expected a lot from him. Um, I mean, a lot from Christian Barmore. Uh, I thought he was going to be, like, honestly, I thought he may have, like, a Quinn and Williams kind of breakout. A lot of people did. Um, and he hasn't quite been there yet. He is probably the best interior defensive lineman this year. Um, you know, Marvin Wilson is going to fight for that, but man, he's had a really bad year. Uh, he should have came out last year for sure. But I mean, you just can't argue six five three ten. You know, he can play the three four defensive end if you want him to. He can play a nose. He can he can penetrate. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot he can't do, um, but you just want to see it at a high level consistently. Now, the report I read on him is they said that he's all power. He has a swim move and that's it. So he needs to develop more moves. To get into well, yeah, everyone. I mean, it, it, to be fair, I think every interior pass rusher does. He's still a redshirt sophomore. I mean, the kid's stupid young. Um, but I'll tell you, he can get off really quick. So he may be all power, but when you're that powerful and you're getting off faster than the guy in front of you, it, it, it's going to – equate to a lot of wins. Um, he has the potential to be Chris Jones. Um, I think, I think that's his ceiling. I think that's, I mean, I see a lot of Chris Jones in him. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where, I mean, that's his high ceiling, I think. Well, Brandon uh, comes back and says no personal connection to uh, the air force guy. He said, he just watched the film on him. He's hidden because he plays the air force. I mean, I'll definitely, I'm sure, I mean, you know, obviously as it gets deeper right now, you know, I'm just, you know, getting it into, you know, kind of the, the main, you know, top 50 guys uh, and want to scout them hard, but I'll look into them. I know this is a deep class. I mean, Trey Smith is, is incredibly talented too, coming out of Tennessee. Uh, you know, we talked about Wyatt Davis, Penny Stool. We'll get to Alex Leatherwood. We talked about Samuel Cosme. Um, I, I mean, Walker Little, there's a lot. Um but again, I'm always open to looking at new guys. So, and of course, Notre Dame's having a great year. A lot of that could be because of Owusu Karamoa, right? Uh, what do you think about this guy? Obviously, you know, linebacker plays all the field, knows for the ball, super athletic, kind of like a shorter version, would you say, of Isaiah Simmons? Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, he just plays everywhere. The guy's just a monster. Um, versatility, versatility, versatility. Plain and simple, um, he, he's just – he can do so many things. And in, in this day and age when, 
you know, you need your linebackers to, I think, be able to cover guys and, and run in space and things like that. I think that's where he's going to really excel. And, and I mean, he played a great game against, um, uh, Clemson and, and I think played extremely well. So I, I'm a big fan of his. I think I have him rated a little higher than most, but I, I mean, I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of his game. Now the, again, the coverage thing that I read on him is they said that, you know, he's very fast. He's aggressive. The two knocks on him. One is they said that he's a better backside linebacker because of the fact that he can pursue the ball uh, and he can use that speed to his advantage rather than they said he gets overwhelmed going one-on-one against offensive tackles. And they also said that uh, in coverage, he tends to over-pursue receivers, leaving giant holes in his own defense. He definitely can. Um, he's going to need a lot of work. Um, he's But the athletic ceiling for this kid, and that's what you're going for, is just through the roof. And 100%. He's, I mean, if, if an offensive lineman gets his hands on him, he's going to get swallowed up. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, the kid's only 220 pounds soaking wet with a pair of pads on. So, you know, he's, but I mean, he's a missile. He can find the ball. And, and I don't know. I love my, my linebackers to be aggressive. I just do. I want you to trust your instinct and attack. The worst thing you can do as a linebacker is be on your heels. And he never plays on his heels. So you can teach him to read zones better and, and, and read route trees and things like that. You can't teach that aggressive and athletic ability he has. You just can't. And then Tyson Campbell is the, the fifth guy that we have, obviously, out of Georgia. Another big defensive back. Seems like every defensive back that we've looked at has been 6'1 plus. Um, I mean, if you're going to follow my rankings, you're going to find a lot of ginormous cornerbacks at the top. Um, I like big, athletic guys. Tyson Campbell's a, a former five star recruit. Um, you know, one of the highest rated prospects uh, coming out of high school for the cornerback position. Um, and honestly, it's more about his tools at this point. Um, than his actual play. I mean, he's not getting like dogged or anything at Georgia, but he's not exactly playing out of this world. It's more that, I mean, 6'2", 195-pound corners with his ball skills and and his coverage ability just plain and simple don't exist. They just, they're just hard to find. So you're going to take him and you're going to, you're going to pray you can teach him some technique and things like that. What was it? One of the scouts that I read his review on uh, Campbell was this. He said, you know, every time you watch him play, you're wowed by his athleticism and his length and his abilities, but you always come away disappointed because he doesn't make any plays. And that has to be – he's got one interception in three years. Exactly. Now, that that's also got a lot to do with, with guys – with teams do try to tend to avoid him because, you know, he is kind of the only thing uh, Georgia's got going there. But, yeah, I mean, you watch his tape and you come away wowed that he's so good and then – yet has some so bad plays at the same time. Um, and so it's incredibly frustrating, but I mean, again, it's, it's when you're drafting for guys, you want personally me, I want to take high value, uh, positional value guys, which is cornerback, you know, pass rusher, offensive tackle, things like that. Um, and then I want guys that have high, high ceilings. I want guys that I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely boom on when I hit them. Um, and Tyson Campbell is that, I mean, he has, I mean, he has the ability to be an absolute shutdown corner if it works out. All right. Well, it is time to talk about the NBA and obviously probably the biggest news, which is why it's so late into the show now (laughs) is that Russell Westbrook is traded to the Washington wizards for John wall and, uh, the opportunity to swap picks in the first round. Now, initially when I saw this, I thought, boy, you know, uh, Washington really got, you know, hosed on this deal because they had to give up a first-round pick and John Wall to get Russell Westbrook. But the more that I'm looking at this, I actually think this is a better deal for Washington than it is for Houston because in Houston you still have James Harden, who's a ball-dominant player. And one of the reasons that he didn't play well with Russell Westbrook, I think, is because Westbrook's a ball-dominant player and you can't have two of them on the court at the same time. John Wall is a ball-dominant player. So you you basically taken a less talented version of Russell Westbrook, who's a walking triple-double, and that's now your point guard. So unless they're going to move on from Harden, which I do have an idea for that later on, I don't understand. Like this, this doesn't make any sense to me for Houston. looks great for Washington. because Now Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, that looks really good. I 100% agree with you. I thought Washington got absolutely hosed in this deal. 
I think they got taken. I mean, uh, Houston got taken in this deal. Washington won this by a mile to me. Russell Westbrook now leaves the West, goes to an East team that now I think makes them a decent contender shot. Like legit, like they're not gonna they're not gonna win the ship or anything, but they're gonna battle in that East now. Um, the two of them complement each other, I think, perfectly. John Wall, Russell Westbrook's a walking triple double. John Wall's a walking injury. So, I, I mean, I just don't know. And and like you said, they're the same player. John Wall can't shoot. I mean, that's his knock because he can't shoot from the outside. And you need to surround James Harden from just put every shooter you can around him and let him own the ball. And and it's just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to work at all. I think the Rockets got worse and the Wizards got better. Well, before I give you my take on how the Rockets could make a win out of this, uh, Brandon does say, I wonder about turning Campbell into a wide receiver in the NFL at his size. Ooh, I don't know if he can catch that. I mean, for the most part, those guys are playing cornerback because they can't catch. So, I mean, obviously he may be able to, but you would think Georgia would be using him like like ways like that too. But, I, I mean, I don't know. J- Jalen Ramsey's that big, and, and he don't play corner. I mean, he don't play wide receiver. Yeah, I think the only person I've seen really do it in college it was Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then in the NFL, he didn't play wide receiver at all. I mean, at except all. for on like gimmick plays. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but no, so my idea on how Houston could still make a win out of this, because like we said, John Wall is a less talented, he's diet Russell Westbrook. So mm-hmm. you get the same player, but with less talent. And my thing now is they've added Boogie Cousins, who's a great addition. They still have Eric Gordon. They have a pretty good foundation there. I would move James Harden to the Clippers for Paul George. And this is a win-win for both teams because now you get a wing player to go with John Wall and Boogie Cousins, a guy who can score, doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. He's a receiver of the ball. You take a ball-dominant player like Harden and put him on the Clippers with Kawhi who needs somebody to get him the ball. I think it's just it works out for both teams. If I'm the Rockets, I need more than just Paul George for James Harden, though. Well, the reason you don't is because Paul George's contract is up after the season, and Harden still has two more at 37, so you're actually taking the cap relief. I don't know. I still think I'd – I mean, you throw first, I may do it, but I, I think I'd need a little more if I'm the Rockets just because I don't know. I don't – I mean, Paul George just coming off the, the postseason he did too. His stock's never been lower. Um, but I do think that deal w- could make some sense. I mean, it, it makes – the Clippers get way better. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you that much. Uh, James Harden and Kawhi Leonard are a match made in heaven, if you ask me. So, I think so as well. Now, uh, Brennan Milnes, who joins the show, says Harden wouldn't get Kawhi the ball. He averaged nine Harden assists averaged a game. Ten, yeah, I was to say he averaged almost ten. I think it was nine and a half assists a game too. So, um, I think he'd get him the rock. He, he's a really good drive and dish player. So, um, yeah, he's ball dominant, but Kawhi doesn't give a shit. Kawhi will score twenty two a game every game if they win. He doesn't care. Yeah, and then uh, Brandon says. The West doesn't matter for the next five years because the Lakers are going to own it. I don't necessarily agree with that, actually. I think the West is still open. Next five years, I see your face. But the next five years, you know, Clay Thompson's coming back next year, right? And then that Golden State team is going to be pretty tough. They're going to be tough this year. I think they're underrated this year. I don't know. I I mean, the Lakers are deep now. Like, they went from being a, a team that just had a really good starting five to now they're just stupid deep, too. And, you know, you, you, you have this LeBron Davis max, but they didn't take the max. They left a lot of money on the table. They didn't take either of their options. They now, uh, Anthony Davis doesn't have an option until four years into the deal. Um, and so he can't. So what, what players mostly do is they'll sign three-year deals, but they'll have a player option. Um, after one year and so then what the player option do allows them to opt out and then sign for the max again next year and players just continually do this well neither of these guys did this so they're locked in to their to their and they get all this money guaranteed so they took the guaranteed money now there's a flip side to this is it helps the lakers but I think some of the players are worried about this, this revenue share and, and you know, the revenues going down and the cap going down because of the way COVID hit this year and things like that. Um, but I mean, they look scared. Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder, I think are massively huge additions to this team. I agree. And I think that they're going to continue to add to the team with little pieces here and there that are just great. I mean, Jared Dudley's coming back. I mean, I know yeah. he's a three and D guy. He plays defense. Exactly. He shoots threes. Uh, KCP's coming back three and D guy. These are the types of guys you need to surround LeBron James with for him to be successful. And Anthony Davis is just that other superstar. And I think that, again, Montrezl Sherrill is a great third guy. 
I, I just it's hard for me to say the next five years, especially with LeBron like signing the two year deal, he won't be around in five years. Oh, it's it's a two year deal, but he's under contract for three years. I think the big story is going to be: Will the Lakers find a way to get Bronny on the team? One hundred percent. I don't think that's even an option. Bronny will be on that team, and then it'll be Bronny and Anthony Davis coming up. Now, uh, let's see. So, uh, Brennan Milnes chimes in. He says, uh, Rich Paul has made it with those contacts. You ain't lying. He represents both LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and, yeah, he, he made uh, quite a big chunk of change yesterday uh, or two days ago, whatever the days the contracts came out. Uh, good for them, though. I mean, good for Rich Paul. That's – I mean, Rich Paul's story. If you don't know Rich Paul's story, you should you should look it up. It's a pretty cool little story, man. The way he's come up and now and now made himself an incredible business mogul is is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, speaking of the Lakers, ESPN came out with its rankings for what they think the teams are going to do next season, record wise. It's a seventy-two game season instead of an eighty-two game season, and they have the Bucks and the Lakers atop their respective divisions. Uh, I'm just going to piece of paper. I've been trying to avoid on camera doing this, but. Um, <laughs> So the uh, the Lakers, he has them at 44 and 28, and then the Bucks, he has a 45 and 27. I guess. I mean, the thing with me with the Bucks is, I, I mean, they swapped Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, which I think is an upgrade because Holiday is a better offensive player. They're both great defensive players. But I don't know. Are the Bucks, the Bucks and the Raptors? Is that really where we're at in the East? That that's still a 45 win team in the East. I mean, the Bucks are really good, and they they have a very good. I think team game plan that they play really good, efficient defense and, and try to keep teams, you know, around that 100 mark. And if you're holding teams to hundred points, you're going to beat a lot of teams. Um, I don't see any way the Lakers lose 30 games. I just don't 28. I don't see any way they lose 28 games, um, but they may, but again, I think they're deep. So, you know, even if, even if you're load managing LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, I think they're deep enough to win a lot of games. But yeah, I mean, I really do. I think these are the two clear number one seeds. I I, I truly do think they are. Um, I don't see another team really pushing either. Um, the Raptors, I think, are going to be. But I, I mean, I think people underestimate how how comfortable it is to like play at home and and things like that. And now these guys are in Tampa for you know half the year. They're not at home with their families and things like that. Um, you know, I think people are. I think people are going to underestimate that, and I honestly expect kind of a down year from Toronto. Now, away from the the top teams that ESPN predicted, there were a couple of teams that you know you and I looked at and said, "Wow, I think these are really kind of weird uh, records that we have." Now, one of these is the uh, Golden State Warriors. Oh, let's see, I have the, the Warriors, right? Yeah. At 31 and 41. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, I don't think either of us agree with. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't – I get Clay Thompson's a big loss. I, I understand that. But, I mean, I don't know. I still think that team's pretty good. Like, I mean, I still think Steph Curry's, you know, I think the best point guard in the league. Uh, Kelly Oubre is a huge addition to that team and I think gives them a legitimate second threat. And, I mean, James Wiseman, you know, you never really expect a lot out of rookie centers. But, I mean, I think he's athletic enough to make an impact. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to compete in any way, but 31 and 41? Man, I don't see that at all. Like, no way. Now, James Wiseman's my rookie of the year. I mean, this guy, he's seven foot one. He's, you know, he's very athletic, up and down the floor. And he's a back-to-the-basket player, which is kind of old school. I think uh, Embiid still plays a little bit back-to-the-basket, yep. but he also plays out in the perimeter. I think Wiseman's going to be a really good fit with this Warriors team. And the fact that he's going to get to play right away with Steph and Oubre and Green and Andrew Wiggins, let's not forget, Andrew Wiggins is a guy Andrew I Wiggins, be a multiple, true. A multiple MVP guy. Now he's you know getting a chance to start and show what he can do. I, I honestly – you're right. I've completely forgot about – I mean, with, with – I mean, you think, because uh, I, I consider the small forward a little bit of a backcourt player, um, but you have, you know, uh, Wiggins, Oubre, and Steph Curry. I mean, like, fuck. I mean, that's talent, dude. I mean, that's good. And, uh, you know, Brendan Milton says, uh, what about my Celtics getting Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague or Miami? Uh, I, I think the Celtics are a team I always think should win the East because of their coaching. 
Their coaching is the best in the East, although Spolster is pretty good too. I still take Brad Stevens over him. I do like the addition of Teague, even though he's going to be the backup to Kemba Walker, who hopefully will come back healthy after the uh, uh, stem cell and the knee, see how that mm-hmm. goes. And then uh, Tristan Thompson's a great addition for them because they do like rebounding defensive big men. He doesn't have to score at all. Uh, he's basically you know Enos Cantor, who they had last year, but he's, I think, a better rebounder and a better defender. Uh, I was hoping they would get somebody like uh, Hassan Whiteside. You know, that would have been a good fit there. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, I don't get me wrong. I think they could obviously challenge them. And and I'm I'm not saying the Bucks will come out of the the East and and make it to the uh, to the championship game. I'm just saying I think they're the clear number one seed at this point. Um, Miami has a lot of young talent that played exceptionally well over the stretch, um, but I don't think anybody thought they were the most talented team in the playoffs. Um, and then obviously Boston, you know, they're very strong. You know, a lot I think is going to depend on what Wayne said, you know, with Kemba coming back in that knee. If Kemba can come back and he can play near 100%, I mean, that team's going to be really good. You know, I don't think the loss of Gordon Hayward's going to hurt all that much. I truly don't. Um, you know, Jason Tatum and Jason Brown or Jalen Brown, I-, I think are elite, elite, elite stars in this league. So. And then. Uh... Hey, Drew's Pablo says, uh, Brandon no, Cooks take that's a spam. Oh, that's right. All right. Yeah. That's another spam. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, Wiseman's a stud. Minnesota gave Golden State a gift. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know because I think, I think Anthony Edwards would have been an insane fit on, uh, uh, Golden State with, especially with Clay Thompson just going down. Now, talking about the East, this is a team, the Hawks is a team that they have the prediction going 36 and 36. A lot of this is going to fall on their head coach, uh, Lloyd Pierce, who's got a 329 winning percentage, uh, which is not great. Uh, But you look at this team with uh, Trey Young, who was fourth in the league in scoring and second in assists last year. I love to bring up the fact that he's the only player in NCAA history to lead the league in points and assists in the same season. Nobody's ever done it in the NBA. He's going to do it, and he's going to be the first guy to do it. Uh, 30 points and 9.3 assists per game. I mean, he is just lights out. It's only his second year. John Collins has been fantastic, 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. They added Clint Capella. They drafted DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish last year. They drafted Onika Agungwu this year, who's kind of like a John Collins type, 6'9", you know, rebounding type of guy. They get Rajon Rondo, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari. This team is completely loaded for a playoff. You know, I think 45 and 27 for these guys. Agreed. I'll tell you what. I'm so glad you brought this team up. Um, I think they are going to – we talk about teams that may challenge uh, Milwaukee, and I think Atlanta may do it, honestly. Um, when we do our NBA preview and things like that and we actually give our uh, – what we think records are going to be, I think I'm going to have them finishing as my number two or three team in the East. They're going to be battling with Boston. I'm so glad you brought it. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is an incredibly good signing. The Chris Dunn get was huge. Uh, Clint Capella, I love the way they drafted. Um, I, I'm really excited for this team. I truly am. I, I think they're going to be great. I know you love Trey Young. I know you're you're probably higher than I am, but I still think he's an elite player and and has the ability to make his teammates better. And uh, and I think that's going to be huge for this team. I'm I'm really excited to see them play basketball. Honestly, right. and then a team that you liked or you thought was under um, appreciated in the uh, the West. Was the Sacramento Kings, right? Yeah, they're my Atlanta Hawks in the West for me. I think this team, um, I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, they had them 35 and 37. I think this is easily a 40-win team. Um, I, I mean, I just I, I love everything. that I'm a big De'Aaron Fox fan. Um, I'm, I'm a big Buddy Heald fan. I, I love the way they play together. Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes. Um, the Tyler Halliburton pick, I think is fantastic. They ended up getting Hassan Whiteside, you know, which gives them a full real inside presence and a guy that's going to bang boards and things like that. Um, I, I, I like the way this team's set up. I really do. I think they can be sneaky good in the West. Yeah. I mean, the reality is too, we we didn't even mention Jabari Parker, who is another great. Jabari Parker. That's what I mean. Like, I think this team's got a, I think they're super deep. They got a ton of talent. I mean. Uh, Brennan says, uh, I will be betting heavy on Atlanta at the beginning of the year. I agree with you guys. Very underrated. Yeah. I mean, that roster is just loaded. I mean, loaded roster. Uh, a team that I have in the West here, obviously the Suns, they have them going. Uh, where's my? Uh, 
they have the Suns going 39 and 33. I actually think that's an over uh, of what I think they're actually going to do. I know everyone got really high on them because they went 8-0 in the bubble, and they looked really good. And obviously they do – I mean, the signing of Chris Paul is ginormous for the Suns team. But I'm looking at this team with Devin Booker, who I think is not that great. He scores a lot of points. He scores a lot of points, but he takes a lot of shots. He's like a poor man's Kobe Bryant, a really poor man's Kobe Bryant in terms of how many shots he takes and scores. Uh, I'm not a huge Michael Bridges fan. I, I love DeAndre Ayton, but I just don't think that team has it. I'm thinking 30 and 42 for this team. I, I think that they way overestimated on the side. See, I think they kind of got this one right, honestly. Um, I, I like this roster. You know, Mikhail Bridges, I think, is a legitimately number, like a legit number three. Jay Crowder, I think, can ball, and, I, and I'd really like the addition. Uh, Langston Galloway can do his thing every now and then. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be in that actual contending spot because uh, I don't think they have enough depth when it's all said and done. I mean, I like what they can do, but, you know, like when we listed Sacramento, I mean, we went, 10, 11, 12 deep on that team, you know, the Phoenix Suns, but I think they're top three and and this isn't even counting DeAndre Ayton in Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think, are, I mean, that's a, whew, that's talent, man. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to be tough. And then if DeAndre Ayton can progress and, and become the Hakeem Olajuwon type, I think most of us thought he was going to be, I mean, wow, that team could be really good, but I think, I think 30, Five wins, thirty-nine wins. What they have is is pretty okay. And then, of course, the, your team in the West. This was a team that you mentioned to me that I didn't consider is the Vancouver Vancouver Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I mean, yeah, I could be a, a little higher than most, I guess, on them. But uh, I mean, I'm just a. I, I really do just believe in John Morant and Jaron Jackson, and I just think that team. I think is going to perform. I, I view Jaron Jackson in the same light. I think you do as uh, 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 Trey fucking Jesus. Jackson, Trey Young, really? What? Not Jaron Jackson, John Morant. Uh, Trey Young. I, I, um, I, I think there's nothing John Morant can't do. Um, I I would probably not pick a play. I think it'd be Luka Doncic and John Morant if I'm starting a franchise kind of thing. Um, and I just love them. I, I love the energy that that team plays with. Um, I would have loved for them to add like somebody huge and big at the time, but I don't know. I, I just think that they're gonna they're gonna make it into the playoffs, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, the one addition that they did have is a guy who I think is classically underachieved in his career, which is Justice Winslow. Who yes. I like to throw out there that for all you Celtics fans that think Danny Ainge is a genius, Danny Ainge offered all three Brooklyn picks for Justice Winslow. And uh, the he got turned down by the Heat, but you know the Celtics could look a lot different right now. <laughs> a lot different. Uh, I think Justin Winslow still has the ability. I mean, he's still an elite defender. He's just never became the scorer uh, anybody thought he would become. The season does kick off on the twenty second of this month, so not that far out. It feels like it just ended. Um, but we start off with the Warriors and the Nets is the first game we get to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and how they mesh together. Um, I, I don't know. I think we didn't mention the Nets, but that's a team I think is not going to do that well uh, this year. And I, and I like Dinwiddie and I like Jarrett Allen, uh, but I think they need one other player. And I know there was talk about that trying to get James Harden um, there. But I, again, James Harden and Kyrie Irving, it doesn't go well. See, I think the, I think the Nets are going to be great. I love Karis LeVert. I think he's a legit third scorer. So um, especially when your first two are Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant. It's not like, I don't think you need another elite player at that point. Um, I mean, I, I think this game is going to be exciting to watch because I think it's, you know, it's obviously Kevin Durant against his old team. And not only that, it's, it's kind of going to set the tone or to see kind of just how good each of these teams are. I think, um, you know, kind of see where the Warriors are at without Clay Thompson and then where the Nets are at with this new look team. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Honestly, I'm more excited for this one than I am for the Lakers Clippers game. Well, speaking of the Lakers Clippers, that's the other game that's on the 22nd. And that's, uh, I think the Lakers are going to completely steamroll the Clippers. I think the Clippers are in shambles. Uh, I think that, you know, Paul George has completely lost confidence. They lose their head coach who, you know, goes to coach the 76ers. Uh, this is a team who I think is going to be wildly disappointed. If you were disappointed with the Clippers last year, you're really going to be disappointed this year. 
Um, I, I kind of think I agree with you a bit here, which is, which is I know, boring, folks. I apologize. But, I, I mean, uh, he uh, he makes some great points. <laughs> I, I also think they lost a lot of their depth. I mean, losing Montrez Harrell hurts. I mean, it just does, plain and simple. You know, when you lose the sixth man of the year, it's not going to be a, a good loss. Um, and also, I think it, like – you know, you talk about how it can like fuel fire, but I think it's more going to like drive a wedge. There's also all these reports now that, um, that, uh, Kawhi Leonard isn't a good teammate and was showing up late to practices and was kind of managing his own load management in a way, like saying, Hey, I'm going to sit out today and things like that. Um, so, you know, there could be trouble in paradise over there, but yeah, I expect the Lakers to steamroll, honestly, especially Christmas day, prime time, LeBron's going to want to put on a show, man. And before we kick it to Kenny, I do want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in. Hopefully you like the new format with the scrolling, uh, topics and hopefully we've got, we've impressed you with our video overlays and <laughs> hopefully you guys tune in again when we come back on Monday and we talk about the NFL and what goes on, uh, this weekend, as well as college football. Uh, and it's great to have Sully back. So it's been, uh, been lonely I, I know I'm glad to be back. I appreciate it. You know, obviously everybody deals with personal things in their lives and I'm just going through something right now, but we'll get out of there strong and, and power through baby. That's what we do. So, you know, I appreciate you sticking with me and in infinity sports. till we die, baby. All right, Kenny. Hey, uh, where are we at in the show? How much time do we have left? It's over!